You are listening to a Stat Media Group production. This is Cargo Masterminds presented by Cargo One. This is an exclusive one-to-one weekly interview series with leaders from the world's leading air cargo and logistics companies. It is Monday and it is time to catch up with the new Cargo Mastermind with your host, Reggie John. From horse-drawn carriages to cargo drones, DB Schenger, which had its origins in 1872 in Vienna, Austria, continues to change the game of transportation and shape the industry through innovative and sustainable solutions. The company continues to support industry and trade in the global exchange of goods through land transport, worldwide air and ocean freight, contract, logistics and supply chain management. In this episode of Cargo Masterminds, we turn to the man responsible for global air freight at DB Schenker and find out from him what he thinks of the market today and the trends shaping the air freight industry amidst challenging circumstances of demand contractions and climate crisis. I am very happy to welcome and introduce my guest. Today's Cargo Mastermind is Ashok Kumar, Executive Vice President, Head of Global Air Freight at DB Schenker. Ashok has been with DB Schenker for 17 years. He started his career with Schenker as Vice President of Sales and Key Account Management in 2006 based in Singapore. He then held senior leadership roles of the company in Indonesia, followed by the Americas. Ashok is now based in Frankfurt and is responsible for the global air freight network, flight operations, procurement, revenue management, operational excellence, digitalization, and healthcare management. Ashok, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. Thank you, Reggie. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Let me start with the questions. Uh, Ashok, what is your reading of the current global air freight market in terms of supply versus demand? Well, no doubt, Reggie, we are going through a challenging time. And when you talk specifically about supply and demand, I mean, we are moving into a situation where the demand is or the supply is actually starting to exceed the demand. So that curve is correcting itself. You know, we had two plus years where it was the other way around, where the demand far outweighed the supply. So that's the current situation we are facing. And obviously, we all need to, to deal with that. Yeah? Ashok, what are some of the specific and peculiar trends, uh, if there are any at all, you are watching this year in the global freight market in general and air freight in particular, after what were an extraordinary two years of global air freight uh, demand? I feel the two years, as you said, of extraordinary air freight demand and extraordinary circumstances as well. We had passenger flying planes uh, flying cargo in the, the passenger cabin. No? <laughs> that was quite a unique situation. I think fundamentally, obviously, some of those things have changed now and we do not have such a situation where there is a need to fly cargo in the passenger cabin anymore, no doubt. However, there are some other trends and some other peculiarities or some other instances and things that happened during the last two years, which I believe will not go away. It will continue to permeate even in the current environment and moving ahead. Some of those trends, for example, would be the use of secondary airports. That became extensively in place during the tight COVID period uh, with the constraints happening at all the major hubs and gateways around the world. Obviously, secondary airports came into play, and I don't see that going away. 
I see their usage continuing to be prominent and to be relevant. Uh, we as Shankar continue to operate to secondary airports and will continue to do so. We still actively source for new secondary airports as well that we could potentially operate to. So that is one trend I believe that will continue. Another one, obviously, is, I mean, when we look at the commercials and the financial side, obviously, unfortunately, the freight rates were extremely high during the COVID period, costing a lot of money to our customers and shippers. That was unpleasant, I would call it. And because of that, then we had our customers and the shippers looking into this component of cost much more deeply. And I think that will continue. A lot of the finance organizations on the shipper side typically did not get heavily involved in logistic decisions. Now we see they are heavily involved. Now that the freight rates have come down, and obviously the cost of logistics has also dropped comparatively, do I see the finance organizer, or do I see the, the deep dive into freight costs moving back to what it was before? I don't. I think they will still continue to watch this very closely and continue to keep an eye on it. Also, not only because you know it's something that has happened, but also because there's always a concern that things could go the other way. And again, we're going to have this exceptional situation. And if that is not being watched closely, then clearly... You know, there, there's a concern for shippers. So these are just two trends I can pick out that I do not see changing, moving ahead. With the return of the belly capacity almost to full and the summer season ahead, uh, do you expect to see further softening of freight rates? And what is your reading of the market for the remainder of uh, 2023? The belly capacity, as you rightly said, and with people traveling more and now we're moving into a summer vacation period. That has come back already extensively and come back even more as we move into the summer season. And obviously that means much more capacity in the market. And obviously then supply, demand, that would have an impact on rates. The way I see it, however, is, I mean, the freight rates now are very, compared to the highs of last year and the last two years, the freight rates have come down substantially. And do I see them coming down even more uh, significantly in the coming months? I don't actually. I mean, there will always be the ad hoc rates that are dipping here and there week per week, depending on the demand and supply on a particular lane. But overall in the market, do I see the freight rates getting even lower than what they are today? Well, my view is not so much. I think there's one component of this, Reggie, which is, you know, when you look at the freighters, for example, which is still, even with the return of belly capacity, the freighter capacity is still exceeding that of belly capacity. The freighters, obviously, if the freight rates get to a certain point where it's no longer economical to operate a freighter, then the carrier would rather park it in the desert or park it on the ground than to fly it. And that capacity will come out of the market. And I... So there are some elements of this already happening. So this is why I feel the freight rates will not drop significantly further than where they are today. And by the way, they are significantly lower today already. So is there going to be a peak season this year around the last quarter? <laughs> it's a good question, which many people have asked me. I think we will have a semblance of a peak season. Uh, I think last year it was clear we had no peak season at all. And of course, the year before, it was an incredibly strong peak season. I think this year, we will see uh, demand picking up. We will see things getting more busy as we move into the third and fourth quarter. And I think there will be a semblance of a peak season. Difficult to predict. Is it extreme or is it... Honestly, I don't think it will be extreme. It will certainly be better than last year. Would it be like a traditional peak season? Difficult to say. But there will be a semblance of a peak season. That's just my outlook. If the current market conditions continue to the third and the fourth quarters and recovery being much muted, uh, who do you think are best suited to deal with a, such a situation and come out as winners or with minimum damage? I, I think we are certainly well positioned to go through this. Uh, you know, you can call it now in the current situation, it, it's a bit of a storm right? with, with the drop in demand and so on. And, and we are certainly very, very well positioned to get ourselves through that. And as you mentioned, in the coming third and fourth quarter, depending on which way the market goes, 
I think we've positioned ourselves very well to weather these storms. I mean, it's, it's the situation that we had in the last two years was certainly unique. But going through these kind of crisis situations where you have a sudden peak in demand and then sudden drop in demand and supply exceeds, I mean, we've seen that before in the past and we've weathered those storms very well. Our focus is always on our customers, obviously, and what they're doing and how they're shipping and how we can support them. And in this regard, I think we have the right solutions in place, the right blend of capacity on certain key trade lanes. Our freighter network continues to operate even in these circumstances because we see there are certain key trunk trade routes where we would need to support our customers. We continue to keep the flights for that purpose. So I, I think we're very well positioned to get us through this. And, and I'm very optimistic about that. So how critical are uh, macroeconomic trends and constantly evolving geopolitical tensions, which is right now, it is like the Russia-Ukraine war continues to be even after an year to the global freight industry. And how strongly do you think these impact the pace of recovery of air freight? The geopolitical situation you mentioned specifically about the Russia-Ukraine war, for example, I mean, that happened more than a year ago. So the changes that took place in the market to accommodate that or to factor that in have already happened. And will meaning, you know, the continuation of that war, unfortunately, uh, would not have a further impact on the situation today because it's been factored into what we do today. So I think there, you know, we've come to a, a stability which had factored in all these things and we've learned to work with that and we've learned to work in the current environment which we have permeating with us, you know, with flights having to divert to the Middle East now and avoiding that airspace. You know, we've built our supply chains and we've built our solutions to accommodate that. Of course, if there is another unfortunate escalation in the world somewhere, then just as we did with the Russia-Ukraine war, you know, we have to look at that situation. We have to look at how it has impacted the airframe market, what routes have been closed now and what capacity has come out because of that. And then we have to adapt ourselves accordingly to cater for it. And in this regard, the fact that we have our freighter network is actually a plus because it allows us to use those planes to pivot and to change, which is also what we did last year in, in Feb, March, when the war started, to accommodate the change in the supply chain. So we as an industry have become, I would not say desensitized, that's a wrong word, but I would say we've, we've gotten used to the fact that these things can happen, these things will happen, and how do you then quickly adapt yourself to accommodate it? We've gotten to that mood where we're no longer have a shock situation and we're able to adapt to that. I would not want any of that to happen, but if it does, we're prepared. In all of these uh, uncertainties, uh, how are you dealing with your key customers and what are some of the biggest challenges for you to keep your customers close to you? That's a very good question. I mean, we talked again about the trends and what happened with the COVID situation and then, you know, are those trends continuing and so on. I think it applies to our customers too, because what we have found is a lot of our customers said, well, you know, COVID happened. We scrambled, we adapted, we accommodated the supply chain to take into account that situation. And we put in place BCPs, business continuity plans. And now many customers are saying, well, we need those business continuity plans to stay in place because you just never know when the next unfortunate thing happens and we get into a similar situation. Things like the secondary airports I talked about, things like our flight network, things like our ability to adapt our workforce to accommodate a shortage of labor. I mean, all these plans that we painfully had to you know, put in place and go through. Uh, we're now in a situation where we're able to adapt more quickly to future disturbances in the market and accommodate that. And this is something our customers like to hear. This is something our customers are very happy about. This is also why we keep in place many of those contingency plans to support our customers. So to your question, I mean, we are very well positioned to support our customers because we listen, we accommodate, and obviously we make sure that we have solutions in place that does not spoil or wreck their supply chains, even if something should happen. Do you continue to believe that access to dedicated main deck capacity or freighter capacity and long-term contracts 
to manage controlled capacity with carriers for your key customers are still relevant? Yeah, absolutely. Well, which is also why we continue to have our freighter network and our own control capacity in place. There are certain types of cargo, and if I'm very specific now, for example, servers, uh, which is uh, related to the web and so on, the, the server movements. I mean, these server racks are at a certain dimension and height where they can only be accommodated in the main deck of a plane. And obviously with artificial intelligence and that whole industry coming out now even more, the need for these servers, or let's say the movement of these servers or the production of these servers is just accentuated. And so these kind of cargo will always require main deck capacity. There's also project movements and many other different types of cargo that require that. So the relevance of having main deck capacity and obviously having freighters to support that, absolutely. And then when you talk about our own control network, as I mentioned, even in today's rather quiet market, we still see a certain key trade routes where there is sufficient volume from our customers supporting us that we will continue to be able to operate those flights and which is why we do that. Yeah? And also it serves our point about business continuity plan. Should things happen, we have our own control capacity. We could be able to offer that to customers as well. So yes, absolutely to your question, those freighters are relevant and that main deck capacity continues to be relevant. So God, D.B. Shankar as a global freight forwarder with a footprint in key production centers around the world, uh, how do you plan to capitalize on the growing trading blocks around Asia like ASEAN nations and the new production and manufacturing centers coming up as a result of what we call is a China plus one strategy or China plus two strategy? And how strongly do you think it is important for you to make your service available rapidly where there is demand? I mean, the good thing about us is we have an extremely extensive and broad network. So we are present in almost every country, certainly in the Asian market, certainly in Europe and in the, in the Americas as well. We have our own offices in most of all the key countries. So if there is a shift of manufacturing, if there is a shift of volume movements to particular countries, you know, we're able to accommodate that because, again, we have our own offices and set up most countries in the world. So we can quickly pivot towards accommodating that. I mean, the entire spectrum that you talked about where, you know, you mentioned China plus one strategy and so on and so forth. That obviously is primarily driven by our customers' intentions and strategies where they potentially don't want to have all their eggs in one basket. They want to have less reliance on a particular geography and we accommodate that. We are happy to accommodate that. I mean, we do whatever is necessary to support our customers' supply chains and their trends and how they want to move. Whatever guidance and advice they ask from us in terms of how it would affect them if they now started to manufacture from country A versus B and so on, we provide those inputs, we provide that support, of course, particularly from a logistic supply chain movement perspective. No, I mean, we are very well positioned to accommodate this trend, Reggie, as you call it, this what's happening now. And we obviously then give our customers advice and guidance, should they seek it from us, on how they could potentially pivot their operations to support that. Yeah. What is your reading of the integrated logistic approach and value proposition by key players in the freight industry in the wake of the pandemic boom, particularly coming from the ocean liners? Uh, how will this change the freight forwarding landscape? The integrated approach that you spoke about, Reggie, I mean, to be honest, it's been present uh, in our industry for a while now. So I would not call it as a, a new trend here. We as a 3PL company offer that integrated approach. You know, we when I say integrated in this case, I'm talking about warehousing at the front end, warehousing at the back end, customs clearance. And then obviously we do the movement from port to port, be it via air, via land, via rail, via ocean as well. I mean, we, we, so we, we offer that using different modes of transport, delivering a customer's product from end to end, what you call integrated approach. Yeah? We even have an air product as well, as you may be familiar. So 
to me, this is nothing, this is not a new trend. This is not something that's revolutionary in this regard. The fact that it's becoming more prominent now with more players getting into that and saying they offer an integrated approach. Okay, I mean, competition is fair, but for me, I think it's something that the customers have already access to, to us. And yeah, we will continue to offer that because that's the demand in the market. So do we expect to see more consolidation in the forwarding sector? And uh, are we going to see an age of global forwarding industry dominated by a few super forwarders? Depending on the market dynamics and how the industry progresses, consolidation may or may not happen. I mean, this is a competitive environment where if a particular player uh, feels its advantages to get into a niche market through an acquisition. Yeah, so be it, right? That those things would happen. Would I, and we've seen a tremendous amount of consolidation anyway in our industry going back 20 years and moving forward. And now you've potentially got four or five big ones in place um, that are really dominating the market in this regard. You know, it's difficult to answer, Reggie. Would I see further consolidation coming into place? It's a huge marketplace. Um, you have a couple of players up there including ourselves, which are very, very sizable. Would I see continuous consolidation in certain niche areas, possibly, depending on the markets concerned? But And that's about as far as I'd go on this question, honestly. As we go on the future of freight, uh, which I always call it's going to be digital, how are technology, innovation, and digitalization changing the dynamics in the forwarding industry? And I believe digitalization is a very key topic close to your heart. Yes, it is very close to my heart. And it's a very good question. And I think it's somewhat... Is, one that is very important, actually. I mean, I think digitization is already playing a key role in our business. If I looked at 20 years ago, it was not. I think there were other industries that were so-called more digitized than us. I would say, you know, there's always been this accusation or criticism that the, our freight industry is too old school. But I think we're catching up super fast. I really think we're catching up super fast. I think like AI, for example, are also starting to be used in our industry as well. And we are looking at that as well actively as Shankar. So I think the digitization trend, it's not a trend. I think for me, it's a necessity. It's here to stay. I think we will, we certainly as Shankar are going to embrace that in a very, very big way. And I think the entire industry is embracing it as well. And I actually welcome it. I actually welcome it because, you know, there's a certain degree of standardization we need in our industry in order for us overall to be effective for our customers when we ship goods. And I think if the digitization is taking place at different levels, be it with our fellow 3PLs or airline companies or carriers and so on, then it's difficult to harmonize, right? So I'm, I encourage, we as Shankar certainly embracing the digitization uh, strategy in a big, big way. And I encourage the overall industry to really uh, continue to move forward in this regard. So very important for us, and we're, we're doing a lot in that space. So another theme that is close to your heart, uh, sustainability. How critical is sustainability to DB Shankar? And how does this theme get embedded into the core vision of Shenko. Well, I hope the plane behind me answers the question to a certain extent. This flight that we have started with Lufthansa well, now two years ago, and we continue to operate from Frankfurt to Shanghai, the first carbon neutral freighter ever to be operated in the world. I mean, it's super important. It's extremely important. I've always said this uh, time and again, air freight is close to my heart. I'm an air freight person. I just feel so sad that it's unfortunately emitting so much of greenhouse gases in, in the process of doing my business. So we need to find a way to fix that. Uh, we are Shankar, again, absolutely fixated on getting that done. So sustainable aviation fuel is the key way forward in this regard. Not the only way, but the key way forward in this regard. And we're embracing that in a very, very big way. So very good question. I'm glad I always get asked it whenever I speak about effort because I think it is so important that you know, this topic continues to be talked about. And uh, yeah, very important for us. I want to uh, dwell a little more on the sustainability topic as well as the some of the initiatives and programs that you had with the Lufthansa Cargo, United Airlines, uh, 
I've seen wonderful uh, initiatives and exhibition in your booth at the transport logistic event in Munich a few weeks back. You have signed up with the Volta trucks. You use uh, volocopter cargo drones. Uh, how aggressively will you pursue the sustainability agenda for uh, DB Schenker? And give us a few more examples of how you want to actually roll out the sustainability uh, initiatives within DB Schenker. Well, as a company, I mean, we've committed to a goal of 2040 to be completely carbon neutral. This is clear. This is our overall company goal. Not even a vision. I would call it a goal. But we need to do that. And Air Freight obviously has a big, big part to play in that. As I mentioned earlier about how, as much as I like it, but you know, we, the carbon emissions on Air Freight is very high. So we need to play our part. And the, the, the flight that we have done with Lufthansa is just one aspect of it. But as you rightly said, I mean, we've done deals with a number of airlines to purchase uh, sustainable aviation fuel. United is one. ITA is another Italian. Air France, KLM. Uh, Singapore Airlines, you know, and we are working with so many others now, our airline partners, to actually procure sustainable aviation fuel. So this is a path that we've consciously taken and we will continue to move down. Obviously, in parallel, we are also holding the hands of our customers and bringing them along with us. Right? We are offering our SAF solutions to our customers. I'm so happy to say two years ago, maybe the interest level was not so high. Now, I must say it's very high. So there are many customers coming forward to us and asking what solutions we have and wanting to partake on those solutions as well, which is very encouraging for us. And of course, I mean, I speak only now of air freight over and above sustainable aviation fuel using electric forklift trucks in our warehouses. The Volta truck is one, it's mostly on our land transport side, but nevertheless, as air freight, we also use trucks and you know, we, we want to use more electric trucks in this regard. We have warehouses in air freight as well. You know, we want to have green warehouses. So there are many other aspects of uh, sustainability Besides SAF, which is, of course, the biggest one, I must say, because of the fuel bump, there are many other aspects that we also focus on and work on. And we have a dedicated team within our air freight organization that only looks at SAF, at sustainable, well, not SAF, but sustainability, at sustainable solutions for air freight. So we've even created that department two years ago. They will continue to do that. So there's a lot of focus around this. So I want to end this conversation uh, with this question. As a global air cargo leader on the sustainability subject, uh, what is the footprint that you would like to leave behind uh, for the rest to follow? Well, I've just talked about how much of focus we put on that topic. And I would really encourage my industry peers to come along that path. We need to get air freight to be carbon neutral. We need to get there. As difficult as it is, and there's many, many challenges that we have in getting there. One big one is the production of SAF, sustainable aviation fuel. That seems to be lagging at the moment. Inability to accommodate the demand for fuel in the future, if we say in this case kerosene. So, you know, we need enough SAF to be produced to actually replace all the kerosene that we only fly with sustainable aviation. And that would be my call out to the industry to say, let's together work to bring that message across to the people who actually manufacture that. Because you always have this chicken and egg issue. If there's not enough demand, then I don't want to produce it. I think we must get away from that. We must say, listen, we need to do this. So you guys need to produce and we are there to procure and we are there to use it. So I'm extremely glad that you could join us in this episode of Cargo Masterminds. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you as well, Raji. My pleasure. Appreciate it. That was Ashok Kumar. Executive Vice President, Head of Global Air Freight at DB Schenker. That's it from us at Staff Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back next Monday for a fresh episode.